Welcome to the Recovery Lab podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. Recovery Lab hopes to destigmatize addiction and normalize recovery. Our platform provides an avenue to share the many stories of those that have recovered from addiction, providing for the listener the most basic antidote to addiction. Hope. All right, all right, all right. Thank you for joining us. This is episode number 71 of the Recovery Lab podcast. Uh, my name is Daniel Anderson. Uh, Drew Hassan is uh, taking a vacation down in Ocean Springs. We wish him safe traveling. And um, this is kind of last minute, but Stacy came through in a big way again today. Stacy Leggett. Uh, she is a therapist at Defining Wellness. Um, she is uh, in recovery, and she is she offers a uh, a wonderful perspective. So we're grateful to her for joining us again today on this episode number seventy one. Today we are joined by Matt Milliman. Is that did I say that right? That's right, Milliman. Yeah, Milliman. Tongue twister. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Matt is um, the. Uh, Executive Director and CEO at Mercy House Adult Teen Challenge, right? Um, right. You are sober, um, and you've got quite a story to tell. So like we discussed at the top, we're going to, um, let's take five to ten minutes to, to tell tell everyone what, uh, what qualifies you to be sitting right here at the Recovery Lab. So uh, without further ado, Matt, take it away. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be here to be able to share. I was riding over here just thinking about the privilege it is to be able to be sober mm -hmm. and live in life, I believe, to the fullest, which all of us should be living life to the fullest. And, you know, to, to say how am I qualified <laughs> to, to be here, it's kind of a journey because I'm qualified because of a lot of dumb decisions. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's what qualifies you. <laughs> that I made. So it's kind of like a, a mixed bag of qualifications. But, uh, but nonetheless, I'm here and you know, so I'm glad to be here. And and my journey with addiction and struggling with alcohol and drugs started at about 15 years old. Okay. Um, my dad, like a lot of people, you know, family, you grew up in dysfunction. My dad was mm -hmm. a very, very bad alcoholic. And so I grew up just seeing a lot of dysfunction. Wasn't a bad, bad man, but, you know, just seeing a lot of unhealthy stuff. And I can remember growing up saying, you know, I'll never drink right. I, i'll never you know do drugs or at least i'll never do hard drugs and yeah and uh <laughs> we've been there yeah, I just smoke a little marijuana yeah. right 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 and then that's a know, plant it's not a problem right <laughs> and then you know you you don't realize it but because there's dysfunction you don't have wholeness on the inside of mm -hmm. you and you don't know who you are and so you start hanging out with people and because of the people you hang out with you start drinking and for me i, I never could just have one Right. drink like a lot of people one was never enough and, yeah. and five or ten you know just didn't uh it didn't ever get me filled so so that's how my journey started alcohol marijuana dysfunction at home my parents divorced when I was 16 and so um I was really on my own from probably my junior year uh senior year of high school I had my own apartment so I mean it was just a recipe for disaster right um and so th that's kind of how my life spiraled out of control. I, at a young age, I was 16, you know, snorting cocaine and, and hard drugs and ended up smoking mm -hmm. crack. and Just, just another Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> this this is what we do. Yeah. I, mean, I relate to that. I, I mean, I, 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 I literally had friends that, you know, they would want to try hard drugs and, like, 
they were like, oh, yeah, let's get some, let's get some cocaine. And, and I'd be like, all right, you know, and we'd get some. And like a week later, they'd call me like, or I'd go hang out with them. I'd still be up, you know. Right, like, right. <laughs> like I never quit. And they were like, bro, what are you doing? And I was, I, you know, I, I just couldn't help, you know, the addiction because I wasn't whole right. on the inside. And, yeah. and that's for all of us, you know. You right, and you were seeking for that, to find that solution yeah, to fill that hole, yeah. That fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have fulfillment at home or with community or with friends or wherever it is. You find it, and addiction becomes an escape. And addiction was an mm-hmm. escape for me. It was an escape from reality. It was a place I could go hide, and I could become a person that I wasn't. Because yep. it, it's all a fallacy. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you, you create this person in your head that you're not, and, and you think you're cool, you think you're somebody. And, so cool. Yeah. I look so good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I have one eyebrow hair that stretched all the way across, and I was like, I look good. I'm good. I'm Take good. Take a selfie. This yeah. is before selfies. We didn't, we didn't do that. We had flip phones back then. But, right. Uh, you know, I mean, you just, everybody in addiction has created a world that most of the time doesn't exist. Yep. And if it does exist, it's very unhealthy and it's not, you're not seeing it right. And so uh, that was me. And, and I just kept getting arrested and arrested and arrested. And at either 19 or 20 years old, um, found myself in jail, was doing five months in, in jail. And, and I heard about a program called the Ark of Lafayette, which is like adult and teen challenge. It's the, it was run by a, a guy that had graduated teen challenge and, and, uh, so I got out of jail and I ended up taking almost a whole bottle of pills. You know, I had all these plans to stay sober, go to work, and mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. You know, I, I just, I didn't know how to, to live in society, which nobody, if you're on drugs, you don't know how to live in yeah. society. Right. You know, and that's the biggest challenge for anybody. So anyway, I, I go to this program and God just really changed my life. You know, I, I never wanted to be on drugs. Nobody does. Nobody wakes up with the intention of being a crackhead, you know. <laughs> I'd like to lose my teeth, actually. Right. <laughs> yeah, or be on meth. Like nobody, a lot of fun. Nobody, yeah. nobody has that intention for their life. And then you find yourself in this place where you're like, man, you know, I, I'm the person I never thought I would be. And for me, that was at a young age. Like I went through from 15 to 20 in that range. I mean, more than what most people do until mm-hmm. they're 30 or 40. I mean, right. really. And you also you also get to a point where it's you're so deep in it and so it, it, you're so far down that it almost and I can only speak for myself, but it was for me, it was like, well, my life is crap anyways. Like there's it would take so much work yeah. to get out of this hole. I'm just going to the temptation to just continue to go on yeah. right. in that way is 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 very it, it's there, you yeah. know. Yeah. And what it took for me is that I, I had to get to a point where I, I literally I was at a fork in the road, you know, it was either I was going to kill myself mm-hmm. or I was going to do something different. Like I didn't have a, like there was no like middle ground of like, well, maybe we'll just, you know, we'll try outpatient or we'll try, a, you know, we'll, <laughs> it doesn't well, work. Yeah. I, I tried all of that. I tried all of that. I was at the end of my road. You know, I was at that fork. It was kill myself or, or mm-hmm. do what I do something differently than I've done in the past. And, you know, I, for me, I had to get to that point. I was not going to, I was not going to go lightly into the night. You know, I was mm-hmm. going down with a fight. And, you know, that fortunately I knew, you know, from my experience with recovery that, you know, there is a way. If if I ask for God, he's going to show me a way out. And and I had to get to a point where I was broken yeah. and, and yeah. able to make that. So continue on. Well, I, go ahead. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Just, I couldn't help it. This morning I was I was praying. I was getting ready for church. And it, it kind of goes along with what you're saying. And I every now and then I, I will, you know, just – 
come out of agreement with the lies that I've been believing from the enemy. Yeah. Sometimes those things creep back in. And I think one of the biggest lies that I try to expose in what I do every day is that this is just who I am. For people who are still in active addiction, like this is just who, there's, nothing's going to change me. This is just who I am. Which this is a is, lie. Right. Right. Which is a lie, you yeah. know. But But we do get so far down, and it seems like it would take so much to get us out of, I remember looking at people who like owned houses. I was like, oh, gosh, how do you get there? You know? Right. Like, you just right, like, right. you just, you just pay for that. You just like, and then you go on vacation, like buy groceries. Like it just, I, right. had, I just could not even fathom that much less be doing those things and be happy. So I was like, this is just who I am. Right. You know, yeah. I'm supposed to be a drug addict. So when I think about those lies, like for anybody that might be listening, that is not who you are and that is right. not who you were created to and be. And you right. don't have to carry all that weight. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It takes a lot of work to get out of the grip of active addiction. It's a lot of work. Yes. And for someone to do on their own, virtually impossible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't do it on your own. You got to have help. But fortunately, there is a creator out there. And if you're, you know, if you're not along the, you know, the, the God lines now, you're okay, a higher power, if that's the way you want to say it. I personally believe in God as my higher power. And, and for me, I knew I had had enough experience in the faith-based world, the AA world, that you know all of recovery, um, to to know that there was an entity out there, and for me it was God. That God would do the heavy lifting for me. Yeah. I had to show that little bit of willingness, and it was at that moment, exactly at that moment, where I was broken, and I I I asked God for help. That He was like, all right. Let's go, my boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's get this going. Yeah. And he took me by the hand, and we and we worked. But I I I feel like God God used me when I was in active addiction. There's no question. You know, oftentimes probably it was for other people looking at me, being like, "Oh, I don't want to do that." Yeah. <laughs> but what not to do? Right. You don't want to do this. <laughs> but God used me in some way. I, I feel certain. But it was God was able to use me effectively, positively when when I made that decision to to do something different and to show a little bit of willingness to him and, and be open to him directing my life and me giving my will over to him instead of just my will only Mm -hmm. my will got me in sitting in a chair behind the house with a gun. Right. Well, this is what we, we, we lose sight of this fact that we're all spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience Mm -hmm. here on the earth, you know, and and a pastor that mentors me, he says that all the time, you know, we're all spiritual beings and we get so focused on this world and what's happening that we lose sight of who we were created to be as spiritual beings. And of course I believe in God. I believe in the power of Jesus Christ that changes people's lives. Uh, Everybody's on different journeys to get there, but uh, you know, we're just passing through here. And it's important to keep that mindset. Look, I remember, I remember in 2007, I uh, just got out of jail, um, and I'm walking to my sister's house. I had nothing. You know, she didn't even pick me up. She was so hungover, um, she didn't even pick me up from jail, you know. And I could barely fit in the clothes. I remember being so embarrassed because I was like this, a, a rail, and I would got in these clothes before I was arrested. And, I, I mean, they were skin tight on me, and uh, <laughs> I just feel like a complete idiot. I know what you're talking about. And I'm walking... <laughs> I'm walking with this ambition, like I'm going to get my life changed. And I remember walking into her house and, and she's, you know, sleeping, passed out, whatever. And like everything that I didn't want to become, I'm right back in an environment. And next thing you know, there was a bottle of pills and I start taking pills. But I remember 
sitting on her porch right around that same time, either before I took the pills, after, I can't remember exactly, uh, but just cried out to God. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I don't want to live like this. I mean, you know, you get to a point where it's just enough. And uh, God said, if you'll go to that program, I'll change your life. Yep. If you go, I'll change your life. And, um, you know, I fought a little bit, you know, to go, but I went and uh, God did change my life. And mm-hmm. in that program, I got introduced to a leadership college. It was back then it was called Master's Commission. Now it's called Crossroads Leadership College. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. And um, at that college, you know, it taught me how to pursue the call of God that was on my life, how to pursue a relationship with him, how to find my identity in who I was and, and what I was created to be. And then not only that, but it taught me how to be a leader. And they taught us practical steps on how to do things that is what I'm living in today, how to, how to run ministry, how to help people, how to you know, disciple and, and, and train people. And, and really, you know, it just taught me a lot um, about how to be uh, the person that God created me to be. And so, you know, fast forward, I did two years in that school, and then I went back to work um, in a recovery program that I graduated from. I did that for a little bit. And then, you know, I kind of got frustrated with some things in leadership. I thought they were doing some stuff wrong. And, you know, long story short, not to get into all that, but I left, and and specifically, I know God's called me to help people that struggle with addiction. I know that. And um, and I knew that back then, but, you know, you allow outside voices to get in, and you're not making enough money, you know. And my dad was in my ear, and he was telling me, you know, son, you're not making, no, you're not making any mm-hmm. money. You've got to do something. What are you doing? And so, anyway, I, I left that, and, and long story short, I ended up having one beer, like I was telling you earlier. Mm-hmm. had one beer um, about two years later in 2014, I had one beer and uh, didn't even finish it, you know, <laughs> shooting pool with some, some, I think my cousin or something. And, and he was like, man, you probably can have a beer. Like, what's the big deal? You right. know? And, well, I might smoke crack later. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not we'll, that big of a deal. We'll, yeah. we'll leave that out right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just feel like you're on top of the world. I finished that or three, three quarters of it. And of course, of the, you know, and the world didn't crash down right. yeah, everywhere I, and there were no consequences <laughs> and it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and next thing you know, I have a fifth of whiskey <laughs> right. in my, my freezer. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and how you know, long, how long did it take from that, that three quarters of a beer to the, the, the fifth of whiskey. Oh, a month. A month? Okay. <laughs> I, and I, I have to jump in here because, I, I mean, I have such a similar story. Like, because I, I graduated Teen Challenge, you know, got a job, was doing the whole thing, functioning member of society. Right. And I, too, was like, you know, I think that I'm going to drink like normal people. Right. But I was going to pray about it. And so I prayed about it. You <laughs> know, what God tell, what God I, tell you when you prayed about well, that? Well, I gave him about three minutes, and he didn't answer. So I was like, it's it's good. Yeah. It's no news is good news, it's right? It's gonna be fine. Did you throw out a fleece like some people do, and like no, no, no. Right. no I, I just, I just felt like I knew. You know, I knew me and God. I know this me. in my heart. In my heart, in my yeah, heart of hearts, it. I can I feel, feel this. And, <laughs> and probably, I don't know, three months maybe. My yeah. timeline is really sketchy because you know drugs. But um, I had a needle. Three months, three I had, a, years. I had yeah. a needle in my neck, you know, yeah. and I was like, wow, this really escalated quickly, you know. But I'm, I'm really grateful that you have that story, and I'm grateful that I have that story. And that a lot of people do have that story because even the most well-meaning people in recovery that really love Jesus and really want to stay sober fall into the belief system that I can drink like normal people because alcohol is legal and alcohol is normal. And, and the, the thorn in the flesh, the sin that so easily entangles, like we will fall right. Cause it's not about the substance. It's about the experience and the The lifestyle. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and being able to instantly change the way that I feel. 
that is what I'm addicted to. Bingo. What, no matter what that what form that takes, that's what I'm addicted to. Bingo. And alcohol is the same as any other thing that we go to. Right. And I I struggled. I mean, I I I got that, but I got the, you know, I was. I finally got to a point where okay, meth is not going to be a solution for me. I get that. <laughs> Alcohol, I'll I'll wreck a car, I'll kill someone. I know that's not going to be a solution. But this plant, yeah, here, God made it. God, it levels me ma- off. It levels right? me off. It helps my anxiety. I, I'm ki- I kid you not. I convinced myself that mm-hmm. I was so miserable that in order for me to be okay to be around other people, in order for other people. To be okay, yeah. to be around me, I needed to medicate with weed. For you. I'm doing this for you. Yes. Like <laughs> I and, and I believed that. I believed with everything that. everything inside of you. With right? everything inside of me. And I I I tried my hardest, man. I tried and I tried and I tried. And I you know, I'm not gonna smoke after five or before mm-hmm. five o'clock PM. I'm just not gonna do it. Yeah, you know, boundaries, right? Yeah. You've <laughs> gotta have boundaries. And then that would be okay, but but okay, so we're the job, my job today was done at two. Nobody's at the house. Yeah. Maybe three o'clock today. Yeah. Other days I'll do five o'clock, but today three. And and it just where yeah. that leads you. Mm-hmm. Every morning waking up, the first thing I did was smoke weed. Yeah. And it just and I tried that multiple times, bro. Like I tried it. I tried so hard. And what's, it's just, cra- what's crazy is it's is not going to be a solution for me. Whenever I relapsed, and and it it didn't take long because ultimately I was looking for fulfillment. Even mm-hmm. when I was just had that one beer, I didn't know it. Um, but it, it didn't take long. I found the same drug dealer that I got drugs from oh, six, yeah. seven years earlier. They're like magnets doing, yeah. the, <laughs> same, doing the same thing. And we were we were cool. We were friends, you know. I, Friends, right, know, right, 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 right. That's my boy. Loose, you know, like, loose, I got loose, that loose. Yeah. Yeah, he knows me. We go way back, yeah. right? And all he's looking for is some money, right? Right. Yeah. He uh, spends my money. That's it. And 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 honestly, it it didn't take long. I mean, I I was arrested ten months later for right. drug trafficking. Just to let you know, <laughs> just to let you know how that one beer, one like, <laughs> no big deal. I'm okay. Yeah. I got this. And next thing you know, I'm hooked up with a big drug dealer. Yeah. And I'm I'm selling drugs, moving weight. Yeah. You know what I mean? and, uh, uh, so, you know, that, that's just where the, the progression grows. And I know people listen like, well, I would never do, I don't sell drugs. I just use drugs. But yeah, but you may still wreck your family by one beer. I one never joint. sold drugs once you know in my I mean? life. I couldn't ever. sell drugs. I was too I, much of a yeah, pansy. Yeah, I did them all. Well, I just that's couldn't. what happened to me. <laughs> you know, you do them all and the next thing you know, somebody, you know, you, you, somebody tells on you and they rat you out and you end up arrested. But honestly, that was the best thing for me. Yeah. Sure. I, I got caught and, and, but it was, I had no business living that life. And, I actually, I got arrested for drug trafficking, selling drugs. And then I was like, well, I, I still got it figured out. I wouldn't, I was like, go back, go back to Teen Challenge. Go, mm-hmm. go. And I was like, no, I got it. I got arrested again <laughs> for more felonies and um, just total mess of my life. And then I got arrested two more times and the cops let me go. Mm. Literally, like that never happens. Right. Caught me with drugs, threw the drugs away and said, I don't know why I'm doing this. Literally said, I don't know why I'm doing this. You need to get out of here mm-hmm. and let me go. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Wow. And um, after that second time, you know, I was like, maybe I should do something with my life. I, I don't <laughs> right. know if there's a sign that's, like, yeah. happening, but I think I need to do something. And so um, that was the beginning of the journey, and um, that's how I ended up at Mercy House in 2015. Did you stay sober after that After that time where those two cops let you off? Uh, for about a month, yeah. For about a month, okay. Yeah, yeah. And All then right. I ended All up, right. my, my dad ended up having a heart attack. 
Um, and in passing away, he actually died in my arms. It was pretty, well, that's, pretty, pretty traumatic. That could be categorized as a life stressor, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty traumatic. And so then I stayed sober three weeks after he died, and then I got right back into addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few months later or two months later, I ended up coming to Mercy House. Okay. Um, I called a friend of mine, Charlie Campbell, and I said, hey, um, I need to get some help. I'm from Louisiana, by the way. I'm mm-hmm. not from Mississippi. I'm from Lafayette. I'm a Cajun at heart. And so I come here to Mississippi. I have a lot of family that lives in the Meridian, DeKalb, area and so and that's how my journey at mercy house that's how i got here is through a bunch of dumb decisions Mm -hmm. um arrested and my attorney actually said don't go to mercy house it won't help you you're going to jail he said you're going to prison because of the charges and uh, i was like i don't care i just gotta get i I gotta get sober i i have to i'm not happy you know i don't want to live like this you were ready i was Mm -hmm. i was just i was done but i just had this call i was like man i just i know there's more to life than this we just said that, didn't we? The yeah, word and people, more. If people yep. listen mm-hmm. today, you're at, you could be at that place too where you're like, man, I know there's more to life than waking up every day not knowing how I got there <laughs> or, 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 yeah. or sick because I don't have any pills or... Where or, did these or, bruises come yeah. from? <laughs> what the sure you know, How did my life end up here? And so people listening, your, your life could be a bump. There could be a lot of bumps along the way and, and your journey could look like mine, Stacy's. You know, I mean, you, you've relapsed and you've messed up, but there's hope mm-hmm. because... I made a total mess of my life. And just to let y'all know, I, I did restoration at Mercy House. I did six months and I interned. I was on staff. I mean, on top of the world. I mean, because the reason I relapsed and got walked away from my calling was pride. You see it all in the recovery world. You see people that lose sight of why they yeah. got sober in the first place, what made them get sober. And they start allowing compromise and compromise and compromise or thinking they can have a beer, thinking they can smoke a joint, think, thinking they can get involved in this relationship. And, and, a lot and having of, good intentions, too. Yeah, good, yeah. good intentions. No, nobody intends to wreck their life. That's why you need accountability. Mm-hmm. You need community. You need people that you tell everything about your life. Now, I'm not saying you need to tell that to everybody, but you need to have one person <laughs> or, or, or a group yeah, of yeah, people yeah. that you're willing to bear your soul with. Because sure. you need to know, hey, am I... Am I off on this thought? Is this connection? Right. Yeah, like is this wrong what I'm thinking? And so, um, you know, so that's how I ended up at Mercy House. And um, but I I was I just started working on staff and all my charges. I went to court and uh, God worked a, a miracle in one county. I had charges in two counties in Mississippi. Uh, God worked a miracle, and then in the other county, um, I was facing the trafficking charges. And um, the my attorney made me wait all day. I had hired a pretty good attorney and. And, uh, but eventually he came back to me at the end of the day. He's like, Hey, let's go to my office. We need to talk. And I was like, oh, you know, cause I'm thinking God's moved. Yeah. I'm getting ready to get off all this <laughs> stuff. I mean, he sees my heart, you know, like I'm, and, uh, but sometimes you got to face your consequences for right. your choices. And, uh, he said, look, they're willing to come off the trafficking. They're going to drop it all the way down to simple possession. He's like, I know this sounds crazy to you, but they're offering you an eight year sentence. Um, they're going to suspend four. You only serve four. You're only going to do a year. He said, I think it's a good deal. I think you should take it. And I was like, what? Like, no, that's not a good deal. Can you? He, and he was like, well, we can do an open plea. And um, he was like, but man, I think you should take this deal. And I was, he was like, just go home and think about it. And so I remember driving. If you've ever been to Georgetown, you know, there's a four-way stop. And I got to that four-way stop. And I remember God said, the way I saw Joseph through prison, I'll see you through this. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this peace that surpassed. I mean, all understand, like you read in the Bible, happened to me. And um, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the, I'm going to take it and I'm going to do it. And I went through prison. Um, that was in 2016. I did exactly a year. I got out in 17. 
And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, I was just fixing to say. N- now, just... it was hard. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I served God in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but, like, I never wavered. I never compromised. I, I mean, you know, I really tried. Were the to, drugs there? Yeah, the drugs were everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Spice and meth and weed and cigarettes. Mm-hmm. and and um, But I was done with that life. Mm-hmm. Right. And everybody I talked to, I told them that. And. You know, it was, I have I, it's for a different topic, but I had so much, so many testimonies of God's faithfulness. I I didn't go in to like see custody where I had, you know, uh, not see custody, uh, a custody where I was like minimum security. I was in B custody, which I was in some really, really dark, dark places around mm-hmm. some some really crazy stuff. Saw a lot of crazy stuff, and yet God was faithful to me. Yeah, and all those things that I walked through have mm-hmm. made me a better leader and a better person. So. All those things, I believe, humbled me, yeah. um, which is necessary for anybody to walk through. And really, it was me facing consequences right. for, my, for my choices. And being that's, at a point where, yeah, go ahead, go well, ahead. I was going to say, that's, so, that's such a powerful story because how many times as Christians, we think, we see this thing and we, and we call it bad. Oh, my gosh, how could you? And we get angry at God. Like, how could you do this to me? How could you do you this to me? Heart? Yeah, and, and, and then we go through the hard thing. And, and, like, for me, that was my relapse, you know, and I learned— so much in that darkness that I could not have learned just by doing the next right thing, you know? And so there's so much purpose in the things that we call bad and we, you know, it's like this, this big horrible thing I'm about to have to do, but it's kind of like Jesus being called away into the desert. Like if, if this is something God is intentionally allowing to happen to my life, and if he's allowing it, then he has a purpose for it. And right. that purpose has to be good. Right. right. This is what it boils down to. Sorry. This is what it boils down to for me. So the the good God uses absolutely 100%. It, it teaches me how to, to uh, you know, be a good person to, and to triumph with, with class and, and dignity. But the, the bad and the adverse things that happen in my life, those are 10 times more important for yeah. me. And we have we have a we have a decision to make when bad things come in our life. Are we going to be a victim, yeah. or are we going to push forward and take an honest, deep dive look at ourselves and say, "Okay, where was I wrong? Mm-hmm. Right. How can I fix this? How can I go forward and learn what I need to learn, feel what I need to feel without numbing mm-hmm. with any substances, and move past this? That's and the then moving past this, that experience, no matter." how negative it is, it will become profitable to me in my ability to use that experience to help someone else in the future. Right. And then it's profitable to me. While it's unfortunate that the negative thing happened, and am I going to learn from it? Yes. Am I going to grow from it? Yes. But that is something that God will then use for, for me to be able to help someone else in the future. So all in all, that thing, whatever it was, was a positive thing, yeah. and I'm grateful for that. I run to adversity today with gratitude instead of, oh, look what happened to me. Look right. what look what the world did to me. Look what God did to me. No, 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 no. God, if something difficult happens in my life, God is wanting me to grow and learn in some area, and I run to the thought process of quickly, quickly identifying where I can learn, what I can learn, and how I can grow from this. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all living our life, you know, forward, looking backwards at everything. And, and the journey that all of us are on, it's, it's, it's really powerful because I'm a, I'm a strong, I mean, I'm a Christ follower and I believe in that. I believe God wants to establish our faith. If you read in the Bible, you'll see the Apostle Paul walk through the call of God on his life and he experienced nothing but 
chaos. Right. But he knew he was doing what God called him to do. And and Paul could make these bold statements of faith because he walked through it. And a lot of people sometimes look at me and they're like, you just some preppy, you know. And I, you know, and I'm like, you know, what can, what advice can you give me? And I'm like, let me tell you what advice I can give yeah. you because I, I may look this way because Jesus, been through hell. Cause Jesus cleaned yeah. me up. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm there's no other way, but God changed my life. Right. Yeah. And I was on the course for death, uh, prison for a very long time, but God stepped in and said, no, yeah. I've got a plan for your life. Right. And I had to submit myself to that, and that meant I had to follow Him while I was in jail, prison, all that. And, and that's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not. But, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> but how do, you get, how do you become established in what you believe if you don't walk through it, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you're having to face the consequences? Right. How do you not get established in who you are? That's how, by walking through hard stuff, by facing it head on. Look, I messed up. I had to face that. You've messed up. You've had to face it. We've all had to face Everybody. it and own it and say, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm rising above this. Yeah. And um, it's powerful how God uses that because had I believe I was past addiction, even if I never went back to prison. I, I really believe that. Um, but that journey has enabled me to connect with more people, yeah. be more sympathetic to people. And I believe it's made me a better leader today, mm-hmm. um, a better husband today. And and that sounds so crazy because it was a dark, dark time in my life. And even when I got out, it was it was, you know, I look back and it's still dark, but it was so powerful. Right. God did in my life through it. So and it's profitable. Your whole past was profitable today because yeah. now you can use it to help someone else. That's right. So, so yeah, go ahead. Well, teen challenge. Yeah. Right. So how would you just kind of in that looking at our things and growing through our things, how would you define teen challenges approach to treating addiction? Yeah. So our approach is life change. We believe that you have to change your life. You know, there's got to be a total life transformation. Um, and so our, our approach is we're more faith-based. We're more teaching men who they are in, in Christ and what God's created them to be um, so that they can fulfill that purpose inside of them. And to do that, we offer a broad approach. We've got so much different curriculum. I mean, we just came out with something called Breaking Free from Addiction, Successful Christian Living, um, Successful Living in Society. There's a whole bunch of, of books and curriculum that we teach that um, hopefully gets to the heart of why. Uh, you're doing what you're doing, and then how can we help you deal with the emotions, the attitudes, the behaviors, mm-hmm. the the you know the things that you've been struggling with your whole life, and then hopefully they can work on those things while they're in the program, and we can direct their life on what's positive and how to live successful in society. You know how to be a husband because um, we're a men's program, so our, our mission is restoring broken families one man at a time. You know, mm-hmm. putting fathers back in the home, and so. Um, that, that's some of the things that we do, you know, just from a broad perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause a lot of times it's like, Oh, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm like, you are, but <laughs> there's some belief systems and some behavior patterns and some things that maybe we need to look at. <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what is your, so what, what is your vision for mercy house? What do you have that's coming up? What, what is your, what's your goal? Do you have a goal in mind of what you want to see happen at, at Mercy House or what, what does that look like for you? You guys ready? Let's I, do it. Cause I've got a big vision for recovery in this area and maybe even beyond this area, who knows? Um, we've been on a mission over the last, I'm, I've been the executive director now almost four years and I inherited a healthy program. David Dilmore was our old executive director, wonderful man of God, still mentor of mine. And he built Mercy House, not he, but you know, he, he, he labored and, and, and helped grow the ministry to what it is. 
So I inherited something that was healthy. You know, a lot of people like Daniel Wabadi at Care Center, he started something from the ground up. I don't know if you've ever had him here, but I have. Um, yeah. He started something from the ground up. He was up. one of our first. Yeah. And is doing an amazing job. Uh, How do you say his last name? Awabadi, I think. Awabadi. <laughs> We're sorry if you're Daniel, listening. Daniel, if you're listening, <laughs> 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 please. We butchered that. Uh, yeah, his, his brother is a, is a good friend of mine. And okay. so I reached out to him. And Cliff, is, I've, I've bought five cars from him over at CIO at a plex. So if you need a car, go go check out Cliff. Commercial but, uh, break. <laughs> <laughs> and no, we're from a sponsor. Yeah. Uh, but no, but Daniel was gracious enough to come in and, and talk about what he's doing over there. He's he's killing it over there. Yeah. So go on. So we just think, I think um, recovery in general uh, is life change. And, and we believe our ministry just inherited four years ago. We started looking at our campus and what can we do to be better to help people. And so we've been remodeling and we added the chapel and, new kitchen and classroom and and we added the third phase program so the third phase is the last five months while they're in our program they move to a separate location and they work on getting fines paid license Mm -hmm. all those things that they don't have or you know that that they need and they're also working a job we get to see where they're at how they actually live in this life that they they live because anybody can can be in a program and be successful how do you actually live it that's really what, what, what's on my heart is like, not when they first get there, but what does their life look like in two or three years? So we've been on this journey with our program of like really, I believe, getting some foundational things in place. And I think we're there where our program is pretty healthy. There's always room to improve and room to grow. And But what I see is is the vision to free all people, no matter what walk of life they're in or where they're at in their journey. Some people are not ready for a 14-month, year-long, mm-hmm. nine-month yeah. program. They're, they're either at a beginning stage or they're at a stage where they just want to go somewhere for 30, 60, 90 days. So we're on this mission to figure out how we can help people at that stage of their, of their journey. So what, what I see is, is for, for our program is we're going to embark on having a short-term program. Um, it's going to be called something else. I don't want to give all the details sure, sure, out. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, but we, we – we believe there's a there's a way to have a short-term program, you know, 30, 60, whatever, 90 days that also bridges into the long-term program. Because some people go in, they don't know what to do when they finish a short-term short yeah. program. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see it a lot. And so we have a, a wonderful long-term program. And so we're actually looking at some, some property somewhere. I don't want to say where exactly yet, but, um, and it's a beautiful campus. It's like 64 acres and we're, looking at possibly moving our men's program there. Um, it's more central in the area. And then our campus in Georgetown, where, which is where Mercy House is, we're thinking about making that into a women's center and, oh, then, wow. and then a women yeah. with children center. Wow. Because there's, there's not many places. There's only one not, place in yeah, Vicksburg, right? Yeah, beautiful deliverance. Yeah. The people that have two, three kids or a woman that's pregnant, there's, there's shelters. And I know Charlotte Winger does a good job at the Winger Home and a lot of places that help. But really, discipleship and life change yeah. is important for in that stage of the life. So, so, so that's a couple of things happening. We want to introduce a short-term model that flows into long-term uh, recovery. Um, we want to introduce community. We want to introduce family development. Um, so the place we're looking at has got apartment units on it, like 48 apartment units. And people coming out of addiction, they need to learn how to live. Yeah. And a lot of times you get a husband, and then you, the wife has been living in hell because he's put her through hell, you know, mm-hmm. and she's not getting any of the things that the guy's getting. And so then they come back together and she's wounded. She's hurt. How does she handle, yeah. you know, right. a little resentful, maybe yeah, like yeah. you got right. all this. Yeah. 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 
Because we <laughs> tend to focus, which is something that God showed me, we focus on the man while he's in the program, and that's good. But the family doesn't mm-hmm. get anything. It's so a family disease, too. It is. We, yeah. we want to introduce a family ministry, family recovery. It's going to be called family development. And um, we want to be able to have host apartments where we put a family in for a year, yeah, um, two years. Probably we probably max it out at a year just because we want them to get out on their own. Um, but where we disciple them, we put a host couple over them, and um, we we help you know them walk through life, their finances, their emotions. And so, what what we see for our program over the next five, ten, you know, fifteen, twenty years and beyond is short term mixing in with long term women's center, women and family center. We eventually want to have an adolescent center for, for, for kids 16 and under that don't have, there's really no places in the state right. mm-hmm. for that. And uh, so just a broader vision of in this area, in the whole state of just reaching all people that mm-hmm. struggle with addiction, with life change and with community and with, you know, just giving them the tools to succeed outside of the program. Yeah, Absolutely. Because you know, that's the key. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and you have to want it, you, you know, we could do, you know, Lose, I'm going bald, losing my head, trying to figure out ways to help people. Oh, don't don't even start talking <laughs> yeah. about that, yeah. my man. <laughs> you're already, you're already <laughs> uh, but, you know, you've got to want it. And anybody yeah. listening today, you, you've got to want to change your life. And uh, you don't have to know how, but you've got to want to. So so that's why I say our broader vision is, is to do more in the area. And we're, we're, all, we're embarking on that journey as of now. And there will be some exciting things happening in the future, you mm-hmm. know, over the next few months that I believe is going to really help the community and all of us working together. So. Yeah. The family focus. I could not love that more. It's it, There's nothing more disheartening as a therapist than to do, you know, 30, 60 days with somebody and they have made such life change. They have, they have right. worked so hard and then send them back into an environment with people who have just been in the same place for right. that 30, 60 days. Um, and to, to, it's almost like throwing a, a infant out on the interstate and like, do well. Right, I, hope, I, hope, I hope that you, you know, that you can dodge cars really well. Um, but, but it is, a, it is a, yeah. it's a family disease. It is, and everybody has a role to play. Um, that's not saying we're blaming other people, but everybody has a role to play in an addict being an addict for however long that they were an addict. And so, being able to bring in the family unit and like, okay, what else needs to change besides? the person who's struggling with the addiction. That is that is good stuff. That is very powerful. Absolutely. We're going to have a dedicated family ministry, a, a, a person on staff that is a, that's all they do. You know, and they may have volunteers up underneath them, but they're, they're focused on the family. Mm-hmm. They're focused on the wife and, and, or if it's a woman in the program, the husband, the family. And uh, we're going to, we're going to figure out how to really make a difference in that area because it's a need, you know. Yeah. Let me, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me ask you this real quick. So for me in early sobriety, um, I'm not 100% certain I, certain I would have been able to, to um, do it without therapy. In fact, I really don't know how, if, I, if I would have been able to do that. I've tried it before, stayed sober for a little while, but I, I wasn't willing or ready to talk about the, the things that I was running from in my mm-hmm. life um, and, and until this time getting sober almost three years ago. And it was at that moment that I was ready to – um, be open and honest completely 100% with someone else other than other than myself. Um, and so it, I, I don't think that, I don't know that I would, I would be sober right now had I not had access to therapy. So my question is this, do you guys offer therapy if someone is, is in definite need of some um, therapeutic 
services, what do you guys, do you guys have anything that you offer? Do you have someone that comes in and talks to people? What, what does that look like as far as counseling and therapy is concerned for those in your program? Yep. So as of right now, we don't have what we need um, for that. We do have a couple staff that are Christian counselors and they counsel, um, you know, one of them's an older man and he counsels guys, um, you know, but a dedicated therapist or somebody they can walk through their stuff with, we don't have. Now, we have individual advisors and, and we have some volunteers, some women that come down and spend time with the guys and a couple of pastors that come down and um, have one-on-one time with the guys and, and a lot of guys open up through that. Um, so we have a form of it. Sure. Um, but it's not as dedicated as I would mm-hmm. like for it to be. That's what we're trying to embark on some new things and figuring out how to do the same thing, but incorporate new methods in mm-hmm. with what we're doing right. to better give people at whatever stage they're on and what they specifically need mm-hmm. as an individual for their help and their recovery and their life change. So, so, so have, we're on that journey about yeah, that. Yeah. I have to, I have to jump in here. Um, that was part of what I wanted, mm-hmm. like the, where I wanted to go uh, in, in, some of the the thought processes that I've had thinking for this episode today, because I know like I went through teen challenge and I've been through a whole bunch of trauma and now I'm a therapist. And so like all of those things together, one of the things I felt like I didn't get enough of at teen challenge, but then you're, you're kind of, you're kind of in a, a double-edged sword here. Cause like, how do we pay for that? Or like, how do we right. facilitate that and like feed people and keep the lights on? So I don't really know what the solution is, but I, I, I had questions of like, have you ever thought to, I mean, maybe partner with some people in the community to see like counseling organizations, if they might be willing to do some free counseling, because when I went to school to be a therapist in the back of my head was one day I'm going to be stable enough to go give that free counseling to faith-based programs because I know that I could have really benefited mm. from that because the effect of trauma on the brain is real. It's real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that was the one thing when I think about my experience in Teen Challenge that that I didn't get that I feel like would have really helped me. And I agree with you. I think we're on that journey of, of becoming better mm-hmm. um, as a program and really looking at the individual. So, and, 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 and that approach instead of, you know, adult and teen challenge is kind of has been old school yeah. in some of their thinking. And I don't think that way. I, I want to do whatever we can do to help people. And, and obviously we're faith-based and we want to stay faith-based. Sure. Um, but there is other methods. And, um, but so we're on that journey. We're, we're figuring it out. We're trying to figure out how to partner with people yeah. to have, have them come in and counsel and, our, our location in Georgetown has always been a kind of a hurdle because it's so far, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so potentially moving where we, where we may move to, uh, you know, may give us more opportunity for more volunteers to come in, more organizations, more schools, you know. Mm-hmm. I know there's a couple of seminary colleges that people are going to school for Christian counseling. And so um, anyway, I, we're, we're definitely looking at how we can do that. So yeah. maybe you've got some help, some no, advice I, for I'm, us. I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm over here. I, I can speak for myself for sure, but, I mean, any way that I could – you know, link up with the therapist that I know in the area and just see, like, what kind of um, awareness could we raise? What kind of initiative could we put together? I'd be all all for it because I'm all, like, listen, therapy changed my whole life. Yeah, therapy yeah. and then the, the, the backside of that is the community aspect, you know, in a cellular recovery, what do they call them? Um, you're you're uh, not peer support. Sponsor. Sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, all that is the same terminology, sure. accountability, sponsor, working out your issues, but, but we're on that journey. I think it's good to have that. So it sounds like you are not content with just 
the status quo and oh. and sitting where you're at. It sounds like you're actively pursuing ways every single day to better the program and better yourself and to better yeah. those that you're that are that are underneath you. I love um, that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's well, that's you know, programs. They I'm not saying they our program's going to die if we don't do this, but a lot of programs and individuals and leaders. Die, you know their visions die because they don't they don't think outside the box they don't bring in other people other organizations that are doing things getting advice and learning how to think differently and always you know i think john maxwell says if a leader is never satisfied you know you should always be looking for more in, in business mm-hmm. you know if you become satisfied and, and especially in the business world a new idea comes sweeps your company off the feet yeah you're dead and you're dead you know you're, yeah, yeah. so innovation is important um you know, it's doing things in the right time. And something else that we're doing, I didn't mention this, we're starting, I hope I'm not saying this too soon, but I'll just say it. We're starting a, a Freedom Challenge program in the Mississippi Department of Corrections. A, a, oh, wow. A, a, a yeah. program like Teen Challenge. Initially, you know, I'm not sure how it's all going to work yet. Our goal with it is to have an actual zone, an actual pod in the prison that we can create a program nine months long with maybe two years, you know, a year after of leadership for those in prison that because drugs are rampant oh, yeah. in the prison system and guys are strung out in there and then they get out and they're strung out because yeah. they were strung out in there. So then they're, they're set up for even worse success. So, and we're hoping that the freedom challenge was, is going to be a bridge to our program when they get out. So maybe if they completed that program and they did good, got out, they wouldn't have to get out and come do a whole another program we would figure out a way to bridge them in to do something shorter, like moving to our third phase house where they could get a job and work with yeah. staff accountability. And, and so, you know, we're excited about that. We're, you know, hopefully any day now that that kicks off. That would be awesome. That is so exciting. Yeah. 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 That would be super, super awesome. One, one thing that, you know, relapse for me was part of my story. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't have to be part of your story for me. It was part of my story. So at, at mercy house, when, when someone, falls off the rails and they, and, you know, they, they go back out or they, they take a drink or what, what are the steps that you guys have in place? How do you handle that? How do you deal with the actual relapse and the relapse of, of the individual and their families? What, what does that look like when someone, you know, stumbles yeah. and falls? That's a good question. It is. Well, it's, it's, it's challenging. It, it really depends on the situation. Some people go out, they have one beer or they, or they do one substance and they call immediately and they're like, Hey man, I, I messed up. Help me be free. And that situation looks a lot different. You know, there's a lot of, depending on who it is, you know, um, and how we do it is different for each individual person. But essentially, it's all into what emotions were bringing you to the point where you felt like you needed a substance to deal with the problem or the emotions you were facing. Were you feeling low on the inside? What was causing that you to feel that way? One, two, where was your accountability at? You know, who are you talking to about what's going on in your life? And so from there, we'll figure out some sort of programming, some sort of curriculum, some sort of, um, most all of them go through the Christian counselor we have and talk with him. And um, from there, we just figure out based on their situation, how to help them right through that you know yeah most of us know drugs and alcohol are but a symptom of yeah. something yeah. else that's going on right. so it sounds exactly. like it sounds like you guys are well situated to and 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 know this and know that when someone falls off the wagons there's there's there, there's a reason that that happened and you guys are are pretty effective at identifying running yeah. to that let's get to the root of this yeah. let's let's figure out what happened instead of shaming you because Shame. you yeah yeah that's what <laughs> oh, i was fixing yeah, to no, say we don't do that yeah, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. well it's it's a We've we've gotten a lot better, and we're continuing to get better at not 
because somebody makes a mistake or relapse. We don't condemn them or push them off to the side or make it so burdensome on them that they can't get past it. Yeah. I think it like all... Like wearing the sign in rehab. <laughs> right. like, I relapse. Yeah. <laughs> I think it all depends on the person. Somebody willing and wanting to change, and when they mess up, they're going to be humble. They're going to ask for help. Those are the easy people to help, right? Mm-hmm. The people that are hard to help are those that deny, deny, lie. I can't tell you how many people I pulled yeah. in my office like, "Hey, I heard this happened." Oh no, yeah, Matt, I would, brother Matt, I would never. I, I would understand never, that. Please, <laughs> I, I was that guy. I, I, I was <laughs> like, "Look, I'm going to give you. We're going to give you a drug test. Are you going to fail it, pass it? If you get honest with me now, we can work through this. Let's talk about it." No, 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 and come back. Drug test hot, and it's a cha- it's a challenge, you know. So the, the plastic cup melts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's just oh, that's behaviors. People have lived their whole life with these behaviors of I'm not going to ever admit, you know, die with the lie. You know, I'm not going to be a mm-hmm. snitch. I'm gonna. These are all behaviors that have just been learned that people don't even realize they've learned, and and you've got to relearn all that. Yeah. And that's a, that's that's hard. It's a journey. Well, it's, it's, it's not going to happen in, in three months, two months, right. a year, two years, five years. It takes time. And so many people in recovery, they quit at the first sign of a hurdle or a mistake. Mm-hmm. They quit. And it's like, if you would just fight through that and know that all of us are on a journey where none of us are perfect, right? But you have to take steps and you have to surround yourself with accountability. You have to surround yourself with community. And I, and I think that's one of the areas our program is trying to get better at. We're not, we're not where we need to be at, you know, and as far as in community. And I know you'll never be, <laughs> no program's perfect. You're never going to be exactly where you want to be, but there, there's, there's, you know, some things you want to improve on, but all in all, I think doing yeah. a decent job. Yeah. Here's, here's a question from left field. So okay. defining wellness caught onto this defining wellness has two or three cold plunges. Four. Four. Wait, no, three. Three cold plunges. Two inside of a greenhouse and then one um, that you can take outside. Right. And I just completed my 315th day straight of cold plunging. Wow, do you like it? Um, no, no, I hate it every it. single time. <laughs> uh, every single time I yeah. hate it. But what it does is it teaches me to stick to that mm-hmm. pain. Stick, push through that pain. Push through that adversity for that three or five minutes that I'm in there. It sucks. I it's hate horrible. it every <laughs> single time. It's miserable. Do you use one too? She, I yeah, she came over and day, did it. Yeah, I've done it a few times. <laughs> yeah, she came over and did it. The the whole Black Sheep team mm-hmm. came over and, well, not all of them, but yeah. three. Obviously the most dedicated one. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but all joking aside, it has... It has taught me so much as far as how to push through adversity in my life mm-hmm. outside of the cold plunge. So my question is this. Um, are you guys willing to think about that, discuss that, yeah. maybe follow in defining wellnesses? You know, they're you know, they're they're onto something. And I my life is proof positive of that. My this whole studio, this everything that you see here, it didn't start until I started cold plunging. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, take that for what it's worth. If if you guys would be open to it, I think that it could really, really add a lot to those, especially to those in, in early sobriety. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. thing. So, you know, definitely something to think about. Um, so, so we're on this journey, too, of like we had to – our campus needed to be updated. We I felt like God told me you need to get what you have in order, our campus and our, our program. And so that's one of the next steps is that we want to – really figure out our um, health, yeah, uh, fitness, what they're eating. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you go through a program and you just 
we got donations, and so we ate what we got. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we do too. We get a lot of donations, but we get some good stuff, and so we're trying to figure out how to create a salad bar and healthy yeah. food, mm-hmm. and then um, exercise is. I, I love to exercise. It's like a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Like it's in my DNA. Like I, I have to. I know everybody's not like that, but for me, it's an escape. If I'm not exercising three or four times a week, I mean, I'm lost. Yeah. You know? Well, there's, I mean, and I think cold plunge exercise food. It's all the same. It's mm-hmm. it's all about, it's the holistic mind, body, and spirit. And a lot of times what people, they do, they forget about the physical yeah. aspect of recovery. And you can't leave out the vessel. You right. know, I mean, you can work right. on the mind. You can work on the connection with God. But you have this physical body that we have to do something with. And our neurotransmitters are real. Our brain chemistry is real. Our gut-mind connection is real. And all of that, I mean, God didn't say, hey, don't worry about that. You know, that's it's all. it all has to be worked on together if you want this this beautiful, well-rounded picture of what is a recovered life. Right. And the impulses to use drugs are real. Mm-hmm. Chemicals oh, fire yeah. off in the yes. brain. It's the same urge. I don't know if you know that. It's the same urge as whenever you get hungry and you need yeah. food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same urge to get high. Yeah. Because like, it's it's so, it, it works on your central nervous system and the mm-hmm. mind. And so people just think, oh, well, you know, you, you should just get past that. Yeah, why willpower. Don't you just, just, just stop. Just use your willpower. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe you would yeah. leave your kids and you're in a crack house somewhere. And, and yeah, that is crazy that we live like that. But at the same time, the urges, the mm-hmm. primordial, urge, primordial urges, whatever they're called, are real. Mm-hmm. And those neurons fall off in the brain. And you don't want to get so caught up in those things, the scientific part of it, that you lose track of the life change, that a decision, and, you know, Christ being able to fill those needs in your life, but they're still real. Yeah. Right. And those, those yeah. emotions are real and you have to teach people how mm-hmm. to live through it's that. It's all part of a, a yeah. very complicated puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. We were, and we were just talking about that. I and mean, I think there's so many people that approach this recovery thing and it's either got to be all AA, all church, all science. And I'm like, yes. maybe we could have all of it. Yeah. Let's bring it all like, together. Yeah. Like why do, yes. why do we have to be so dichotomous there in our thinking that it has to be one way or the other when it, we could incorporate all of the pieces from all of these different, you know, approaches to recovery that fit. And this is what I believe. I believe if we can incorporate all the approaches, and I'm a believer in, in Christ and faith-based, I can lead somebody to Christ through that. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Our, our program, even if somebody comes in and they just want to go 30 days or something, we can plant a seed in them sure. in the chapel one mm-hmm. night if they choose to come to service that hopefully can transform their life forever. So we can all get together and do the same thing, but... Ultimately, I believe will lead them to their purpose in yeah. life, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. So, um, I believe it can all work together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. Yeah, no, and that—that's one of the things that I—I I loved about what you said on on one of the Black Sheep episodes was, you know, there's, you know, and and recovery lab stances, any any path that leads to recovery, we support that. Right. It, it doesn't have to be faith-based. It doesn't have to be AA. It could be smart. It can be whatever. Whatever path leads you to long-term sobriety and, and, and happiness and joy in your life, we support that. You know, for me, you know, AA was the solution for me because I was ready when AA was in the forefront of my mind. I tried faith-based. I tried Celebrate Recover. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to quit. So it didn't work for me. But Drew, my co-host, um, he, you know— he wasn't ready when when AA was right in front of him, and so AA did not work for him. Faith based worked for him because he was at his end when he was mm-hmm. in faith based. So faith based worked for him. So, you know, I what what I loved about what you said was I, I see I see you as what I want 
the world to be, a bridge of recovery. You know, you you go to church, but you also go to AA and you know, celebrate recovery. And that's that's what I love. And that's what we love at the Recovery Lab is if 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 there is a path that leads you to long term sobriety, man, we 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 yeah. get behind you 100 percent. So. Um, well, you we, see that especially, and, and we may have to go, but no, you're good. You're you good. see that especially when you start seeing people overdose and die, right? And you yes. and you see, you know, it's like whatever we can do, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's why we want our program, and I, it's it's going there. I'm not, it's happening. Um, I don't know how we're going to get there, but I just see the vision of how our program can can bridge across all different areas and um, community, family development, all of it, and and short term mixing in with counseling, therapy, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And still incorporating the faith-based long-term, which people need, life change, all all that we teach currently, mixing it all together. Right. Yeah. And I'm excited about it because I think it's going to really change the area. Yeah. And, oh, and I'm so grateful need. to hear you say that. <laughs> I just love that. I love it. I love it. All right. So we are, we're about four minutes away from our end here. Um, but I am going to, uh, I'm going to go ahead and use Drew's famous two questions that he has at every, uh, completion of the recovery lab. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I know, I'm like, what is this? I'm not. Okay. So question number one, what do you do poorly in your recovery? I think what we do poorly in our recovery now is setting people up for success long-term, a community aftercare. We are, we are not where I want to be in, in, in doing that. I don't know why we, we, we really trying our third phase. We started in May of 23, kicked it off. It's going well. And, and that's the first step. And the next step is going to be families development, family integration and figuring all that part out. That's the next step. And so that's the areas we don't do as well in. Okay. And final question. What do you do well in your recovery? In my personal recovery? In your personal recovery. Oh, that's, a loaded, that's, a loaded, that's a loaded question. You know, um, one, I think, is humility. Yeah. I think, you know, anybody going to do anything for a long time, you have to stay humble. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to stay broken. Um, and that's, I just read a book um, about about all that. And it was just talking about brokenness is not woe is me. Brokenness is I cannot do this alone. Yeah, that's I have to have God in my life. I have to have accountability. I have to live the way God's called me to live. And anything that I walk through, it's all going to, should lead me to brokenness. Whether I'm on top of the world and our ministries and conquering and we're building and developing and we're helping people, that pressure should lead me to the Lord and it should lead me broken, right? Or if I'm lonely and I'm, I'm in a dark place, you know, we all walk through these dark places. I mean, right. I, don't, I don't have it figured out. I mean, uh, my past creeps up from time to time. I have thoughts and memories and mm-hmm. it's all real. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's not, it doesn't go away. I don't care how long, yeah. um, but, but in those moments, that leads me to brokenness. And brokenness is getting cold for me in my relationship with the Lord. It's uh, bringing me to a dependence on him and, and recognizing my need for him. So one thing I would say that God has really changed my life with is in humility. Um, anybody that is self-driven, I'm a self-driven person. I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a go-getter, I guess you could say. We, we tend to, to struggle with pride. Mm. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> and, and what I've walked through, I believe God used all that to strip me of that and uh, keep me humble. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that's really something that's helped me a lot. Staying humble, staying broken, never forgetting where I came from. Absolutely. Because all we are is servants. You ask how I got to Mercy House, like, and what I do, I'm, I'm the executive director, whatever you want to call me. But I, I view it as just a servant mm-hmm. to help people, um, whatever my role is, yeah. just to serve. Absolutely. You know, whether I'm creating in programs that – 
help people or creating structure or discipling somebody. It's all a servant. All of us, you know, awesome. are serving. Yeah. So. I love it. So if someone is in need of help right now um, and, and wants to reach out to you or Mercy House, how can they get in touch with you guys? So you can go on our website, mercyhouseatc.com. You're going to see a, a, a bunch of stuff you can walk through that answers your questions about how to get in. You can call our intake number. The number is 601 370 So 601-670-3718. I hope I said that right. Uh, but you can go on our website. The number is on there. And uh, we have beds available right now for somebody that needs it. We try to make it as easy as possible. We try to really love you through coming in, you know, and um, make it as easy as possible for you to get in. Awesome. Man, thank you so much for yeah, coming, especially so on, on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Oh, we have 72,662 people watching right now. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, watching and listening. And uh, we will see you next week. Drew will be back next week. And uh, we'll have a, a new and exciting conversation for you. Thank you so much for listening to The Recovery Lab.